0: You ever watch one of those 2020 specials, one of those Dateline specials where they convict the wrong person? They they have a trial and they declare a person guilty and they, they have all the court stuff and all the proceedings and then the, the person goes off to prison and then later, and, and sometimes it's many, many years later uh, because of some new evidence or maybe a new witness comes forward or, or today maybe DNA evidence is now available, they find out that the person is really innocent, that they're truly innocent, and, and they have a new trial or sometimes a new hearing, and, and all that occurs, and they let that wrongly convicted person go free. Now, I always watch those shows, and it's pretty exciting to see all the stuff as it unfolds, but I always watch at the end. It's kind of a an odd thing to me. At the end, uh, they are released, and that person comes out of the prison, and they come, and they. They meet there at the gate to the prison. They come through and they they meet their family and there's balloons there and the the press is usually there to meet them and they hug and they celebrate and they get in a car and they drive off. When I watch those, I always wonder, and it seems kind of crazy to me, but I always wonder how they don't come out mad. 10 years, 15 years uh, in prison, I'm going to tell you. I come out of there. I'm going to look for a judge or a lawyer or a witness or somebody. And I always laugh. They come out and they're so excited, and, and maybe that's later after they meet their family. But I always wonder how they don't come out of there mad. Well, today, as we continue in the in the trial, the actual historical trial of Jesus, we actually see the opposite thing occur. Today, we're going to see that the right verdict was delivered. Not guilty, but we're going to see how it was overturned by the crowd of the Jews. And Luke's very clear in that. It was the crowd of the Jews who overturned the correct verdict. Today our message is entitled, "Verdict overturned the Perfect Lamb." Verdict overturned the perfect Lamb." We're in today Luke chapter 23, Today verses 13 through 25 verses 13 through 25. Luke chapter 23, verses 13 through 25. I'm gonna ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. Beginning in verse 13, and it says this. Pilate summoned the chief priests and the rulers and the people and said to them, you brought this man to me as one who incites the people to rebellion. And behold, behold, Having examined him before you, I have found no guilt in this man regarding the charges which you make against him. No, nor has Herod, for he sent him back to us. And behold, nothing deserving death has been done by him. Therefore, I will punish him and release him. Now he was obliged to release to them at the feast one prisoner. But they cried out all together, saying, "'Away with this man, and release for us Barabbas.'" He was the one who had been thrown into prison for an insurrection made in the city and for murder. Pilate, wanting to release Jesus, addressed them again. But they kept on calling out, saying, "'Crucify, crucify him.'" And he said to them the third time, "'Why, what evil has this man done? "'I have found in him no guilt demanding death.'" Therefore, I will punish him and release him. But they were insistent with loud voices asking that he be crucified. And their voices began to prevail. And Pilate pronounced the sentence that their demand be granted. And he released the man they were asking for who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder. But he delivered Jesus to their will. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today and I'm thankful for you. And I'm thankful for our hope in Christ. I'm thankful for our redemption in Christ. I'm thankful for the forgiveness of sin for us as sinners today. And so we celebrate a risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray as your people, as your church, that we would be faithful to your cause, to our Savior. We be, would be faithful to spread the good news of the gospel. Lord, I, I pray that we would be a people committed to you, loving you, excited about you, walking and abiding with you. Lord, I pray now as we begin to study your word in this hour, I pray that you would truly speak to us. Lord, I, I know this is a supernatural event, not a, not a lecture, not some passing on of information. I, I believe it's a supernatural event. And so I pray, Lord, that you would speak, that you would move, that you would open our ears and our hearts and that we would be impacted on this day. Lord, I pray for some in this room that do not know you. I pray that in the preaching of this gospel, I pray that in the hearing of good news, in the stirring of their hearts, maybe in the tough circumstances of life, Lord, that today would be the day of their salvation. Lord, we come and I open all this to you and give it to you as an act of worship. I pray that you're known through it. We love you and we worship you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Again, today as we move through our verses, really there there is so much going on, there is so much unfolding that I I want us to slow down and see this, the picture of Jesus' last day, really his last hours before the cross of Calvary. Understand, at the end of our verses today, they will end with Jesus being beaten and scourged and Jesus making his way to the cross of Calvary. Notice there in verse 26 it says, and when they led him away. These verses end with Jesus going to the cross of Calvary. So today I want us to picture these final hours of Jesus. I want us to listen to each word as it is spoken this morning. I want us to feel the heaviness as it clings to the air. These, the last hours of Jesus before he goes to the cross. Let's begin this morning in verse 13. Pilate summoned the chief priests and the rulers and the people. Luke is very deliberate in this. Pilate summoned the chief priests and the rulers and the people. Understand, Pilate, the Roman governor, he sends for now the the chief priests, the rulers and the people. Now, Two of these groups of people we would expect. The chief priests, Annas and Caiaphas, they, they wanted Jesus dead. They had taken up this cause. I would expect them. The, the rulers, the scribes, the Pharisees, those of the Sanhedrin, they had taken up this cause. They wanted Jesus dead. And so I would expect them also to be summoned. But it also says here the people. He summoned also the people. Now think about that for just a second. Were these not the same people who sought him out to be healed or to see some miraculous act? How how many had been healed? How many had seen such a miraculous act? Were these not the same people Were these not the same people that crowded in on him as he taught? The Bible says not as the scribes, but as one with authority. He taught differently. How many of these folks had heard the teachings of Jesus? Were these not the same people that cheered only days earlier as he came down into the city? Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Were these not the same people that laid their coats in the roadway? Hosanna, were these not those people? And yet now, those people, those same people we find form a different crowd. And so he summons the chief priests and he summons the rulers, but he also summons the people. Pilate summoned the chief priests and the rulers and the people, verse 14. And he said to them, you brought this man to me as one who incites the people to rebellion. And behold. Having examined him before you, I have found no guilt in this man regarding the charges which you make against him. Pilate says, you brought this man to me as one who is leading a rebellion, one that was, was, was opposed to Caesar and, and was starting a rebellion against the cause of Caesar. They brought Jesus to him as a troublemaker. And he says this, and... Behold. Take notice of that word behold. It is an exclamation. It means see or know this or perceive this. It literally means get this. That's what it means at its core. Get this. See this. Pilate says, having examined him before you. Now, I think that's an interesting word there. He's making it clear that it was not done in secret. There was no hidden agenda. Before you and in your presence, before you, I examined him. It means that I I tested him. I tested him before you, and I have found no guilt in this man regarding the charges you have made. Now, very simply, Pilate says this Look, he's not guilty. I've heard and I've listened and I have tested the matter and and Pilate comes out on his porch this morning and he calls them together and he says, look, behold, he is not guilty. Verse 15, no, nor has Herod for he sent him back to us and behold, nothing deserving death has been done by him. Pilate says, no, he's not guilty. He says this, nor has Herod. Now, it literally translates, but not even Herod. Now, see how how big of a deal that is. He says, I find no guilt in him, but not even Herod. Understand, he's the one who cut off the head of John the Baptist. Not even Herod. Not even he. Not even Herod finds him guilty. It's the same word there, behold. Same Greek word. See this, get this, perceive this. Nothing deserving death has been done by him. That's what I say. Behold, not even Herod could say that. Nothing deserving death has been done by him. I want you to see this this morning. Even these worldly, corrupt, politically driven men can find no fault In Jesus. And so he stands there on his porch this morning and to the crowd he says, Get this, he is not guilty. Verse 16. Therefore I will punish him and release him. Therefore I will punish him and release him. Therefore I will punish him. It it means this he would beat him. Or he would whip him. This is not the same word for scourging. And so it's a different thing from the scourging that Jesus will have applied to him, the scourging that will take place. And so he says, I will beat him, I will whip him, I will punish him, and I will release him. I want you to see a couple things right here. First is this very simply, that is his verdict. That is his decision. They they bring Jesus to him. They want a verdict. They want a decision. This is his decision. The Roman governor, the man with the great power, the man whose influence they sought, he says to them, this is my decision. He is not guilty. I will punish him and I will release him. That is the decision of Pilate. Second thing, see this. Why beat him? You ever ever wonder that? Doesn't doesn't that kind of not make sense? He says, he's done nothing, but I will punish him and release him. Why beat him? If he finds no fault, why beat him? Why not just release him? I find no fault in him. Why not just turn him loose? Well, we see here in this verse the pressure that is on Pilate. Now, understand, here's what Pilate's role is. Here's, Here's the place he finds himself. His job and really his main job is to keep the taxes coming in to the Roman government. Now he can he can indulge himself and he can live like a king and he can have a big time as long as the taxes keep coming in. He is to keep order in the region. We do not want a hiccup in the region. We want things to be smooth in the region and as long as the taxes are coming in, he is fulfilling his job. Caesar gave him that power. Caesar Tiberius, he gave him that position, but he had to keep order in the region. He had to keep the taxes coming in in the region. And so understand this, he is trying to appease the crowd. He is trying to satisfy the crowd. That's what he's doing here. I find no fault in here, but he sees the crowd out here, and he's trying to appease the crowd. They hate Jesus. Jesus. Evidently they've got an issue with Jesus. And so I will beat Jesus and maybe that will satisfy the crowd. He misreads the crowd. He doesn't understand the depth of their hatred. He doesn't understand the point to their cause that Jesus would die. And so he says, I will appease him. I'll beat him and I'll turn him loose. He misreads the crowd. Therefore, I will punish him and release him, verse 17. Now, he was obliged to release to them at the feast one prisoner. Now, verse 17 is explaining some custom. It's really not recorded anywhere, but it's some custom that that evidently had evolved there in Jerusalem. Most likely, uh, the Romans had started this and, and most likely it was Pilate's predecessor, and he had started releasing one Jewish prisoner on this holiday. And so as all the Jews come to town and as the holiday takes place to gain favor with the Jews, evidently this, this predecessor would say, you know what, we're going to let one Jewish prisoner go free and it would be a great moral victory for the Jewish people. Well, Pilate says, this will be the one that I'll release. I'll release Jesus. I'll beat him. I'll satisfy you that way. I will beat him, but then I'm going to release him. And that is his plan. It's, it's the one that I will release will be Jesus. Verse 18. But they knew what he was doing, but they cried out all together saying, away with this man and release for us Barabbas. Away with this man. Now, I want you to understand this is not talking about Take him out of our sight. This is not talking about take him away. This is saying very clearly, execute him. Be done with him. Kill him. Away with this man. Here he is, be done with him. Kill him. Execute him. And release for us Barabbas. An interesting part of the account, Barabbas. His name means Son Bar, son of Abbas. Abbas means father. His his name really translates son of a father. A nondescript person. A person whose name is so meaningless, you know what? He's the son of a father. The The best we could do is say the son of a father. Another account says that he has a first name and it's Jesus. Jesus Barabbas. Verse 19. He was the one who had been thrown into the prison for an insurrection made in the city, made in the city, and for murder. Verse 19 tells us that this Jesus, Jesus Barabbas, he did try and lead a revolt. In fact, he did lead a revolt. He did lead an insurrection. Not only that, a person had been killed, a man was killed, he killed him in the process. And so he did lead a revolt. He was a murderer. He took a man's life. Now, I want you to see this. It wasn't the charges that the Jews were worried about. We saw that last week. Notice this, it's not the, it's not the, the charges they're worried about. They want Jesus dead. It wasn't the charges they were concerned with. This man actually did what was attributed to Jesus. Even worse than that, he was a murderer. It wasn't about the charges. All of them, it says this all of them, the crowd, the, the, the rulers, the priests, they shout, Away with this man! Kill this man! Be done with this man! And release for us Barabbas. Verse 20. Pilate, wanting to release Jesus, addressed them again. We see here in verse 20 that Pilate tries for a second time. And he comes and he reasons to him again I find no no guilt in this man. I've looked into the matter and I find no fault. In this man, and I'm sure he reminds him not not only that, Herod did not as well, even Herod could not find anything deserving of death. And so he, he says, See this again, get this again. There is no reason to kill this man, but this other man, Barabbas, he did, he did it. Verse 20, Pilate tries again, he tries to persuade him again. Verse 21. But they kept on calling out, saying, crucify, crucify him. Calling out translates, the original verb tense, they kept on literally yelling. They kept on yelling. That's the verb tense. It's not just twice as Luke records here. They kept on yelling, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Every time I pass through this verse, I have to wonder was there not one? Was there not one? Was there not one? Not one who had been healed, not one who had new eyes with which to see with, not one who had new legs with which to walk upon. Was there not one who had seen his smile somewhere in a crowd? Was there not one who had touched the hem of his garment? Was there not one? Was there not one who had, who had felt his kindness? Was there not one who knew his love? Was there not one in this crowd to say, no, may it never be? No, not him. Was there not one? Surely there was one. But the truth is he came into his own, crucifying and his own received him not. Crucify him, and alone the Savior stands, and the crowd rages on. Crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Verse 22. And he said to them the third time, third time, why, what evil has this man done? I have found in him no guilt, demanding death, therefore I will punish him and release him. Pilate asked the question, why? Why? I'm sure he's, he's bewildered. I'm, I'm sure he's never seen such vileness. Why? What is wrong with these people? The people of God, ha! The people chosen for the glory of God, Ha! The people that live according to some supposed word from God, ha, I've never seen such rays. What's wrong with these people? He says, why? What evil has he done? I have found in him no guilt demanding death. These are the actual words. I have found in him no guilt demanding death. He restates his verdict. Therefore, I will punish him and release him. That is what I'll do. Listen, I want to make a point here. I believe it's the biggest point of the message. Listen very carefully. The beloved lamb, the eternal lamb, the lamb stands now at the foot of the altar. The Lamb of God has presented himself as the sacrifice for sinners. As the the Lamb of God has now presented himself as the sacrifice for my sin, he's now presented himself as the sacrifice for your sin. Every vile deed, every sin you will commit, he has presented himself from here. It's to the cross that he will go. And as the Lamb stands here at the foot of his altar, I want you to be sure today he stands sinless. And he stands in perfection. And friends, let the testimony of a pagan governor ring out. What evil has he done? There's no guilt in him. Understand today, this lamb is without blemish. No sin did he ever commit, no stain of sin. He is here and he stands at the foot of his altar and he stands in perfection. The sinless lamb of God. Why does this matter? understand today, if Jesus had sinned, his death would have been for him. If Jesus had sinned anywhere, at any time, if, if Jesus had sinned, one little sin, if Jesus had sinned, his death would have been for him. And these following verses detailing a crucifixion and detailing a resurrection as powerful and as miraculous as they may be for you and me, as, as mighty as they are, they would be empty. These verses of a, of a crucifixion and a resurrection, as powerful as they are for you and me, they would be meaningless. Meaningless. You see, it is in his sinlessness that he can take my sin and it is in his sinlessness that he can take your sin and he can bear it to the cross and he can bear the wrath of God that he can satisfy the debt of sin and in doing so, he can carry our sin far away that we bear it no more. Listen, friends, praise God for the sinless lamb. He stands in perfection. the foot of his altar where he goes to take the sin of man. The lamb presents himself and he stands pristine, sinless in perfection. Verse 23. But they were insistent with loud voices asking that he be crucified. And their voices began to prevail. The worst thing for Pilate was an uprising in his region. The worst thing for Pilate was that the word would get back to Caesar Tiberius, Tiberius Caesar, and that he would hear the Jews are in riot down in this region. That's why they killed insurrectionists. That's why they couldn't stand for this nonsense to flare up, and and that's why they held a strict rule about it. The worst thing that could happen to Pilate was for word to get back to Caesar that the Jews were in a riot. And so the voices get louder. He starts to panic. The voices get louder and he starts to become fearful and now it's a threat against him and his power. It says the voices began to prevail. Listen to verse 24. And Pilate pronounced sentence that their demand be granted. In the end, it was better to save his own neck and kill an innocent man than it was to uphold justice. After all, isn't that the world's way? Better to save my neck. It's better to uphold my cause. He's an innocent man. I've I've seen him. I've tested him. He's an innocent man. But it's me first. And that's the way of the world. And so in the end, he pronounces his judgment, he grants their desire. Verse 25. And he released the man they were asking for who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder. But he delivered Jesus to their will. It is set. Jesus will die. And he released the man that they were asking for had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder but he delivered Jesus to their will. I wonder, as this transaction is made, I wonder as Barabbas is set free, the vile murderer, the insurrectionist, as he walks out of his prison, as he walks out now and his chains Are undone, and somebody stoops down and they start to unfashion his chains. And I wonder as the the crowds began cheering, as they see Barabbas come out and his chains are taking off, and the crowd is cheering. And as Jesus is turned over, I wonder does Pilate look at Jesus again? Does he look at his face? Does he look into his eyes? Or does he quickly turn away and go back to his business? Does his his heart sink? Is his heart pounding there in his chest? Is he sick over the decision that's gone on? Or does he just remove himself and find something else to busy himself and march back to his own business? You see, understand, Pilate got the first look, the first look right before his eyes at the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I wonder what it did to his heart. He was the first one to see the gospel as Jesus of Nazareth, born of a virgin, born in Bethlehem, the son of man, the son of God, the sinless perfect lamb as he is sacrificed, as he goes to his death and there is this sacrifice and yet the guilty goes free and the vile goes free and the chains are unfashioned and the condemned, though guilty as he is, He goes free and he's the first one to see the gospel. You see, if we let the shouts of the crowd die out, if we will be silent for just a second, we will see Jesus Barabbas is me. It's my crime. It's my sentence. It's my death. I did it. I earned it. Jesus Barabbas is me. It's me. My chains are taken off. I'm going free. And the Savior goes to the cross of Calvary. And here in the apex of history, the gospel unfolds and the sinful, the sinner, the vile goes free. And Jesus goes to the cross. I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry, Lord. Jesus Barabbas is me. 2 Corinthians 5 21, He made Him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. That's our gospel. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come. And Lord, I I stand in awe. I stand amazed. Knowing my sin, knowing the depth of my sin, my, my vileness. The sins that people see, the sins that no one knows, knowing my sin, but knowing that an exchange is made between me, a sinner and the perfect sinless Son of God, God himself who comes and who presents himself at the altar sinless that all of my sin and all of the sin of the world may be heaped upon him, may be piled upon him, that he even becomes our sin, that he bears it to the cross, that our chains are unfastened and we go free. Lord Jesus, I praise you. And I worship you, and I tell you I'm thankful, and I tell you I love you, and I tell you for my sin I'm sorry, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I come and best I can. I want to proclaim with my mouth the beauty of this lamb, the perfection of this lamb, the victory of this lamb. Lord, I pray as we conclude this service that you have spoken. I believe you have. I pray that you continue to speak, that you continue to lead. I pray if there's someone here that's, that's not put their faith in Christ, Lord, I pray that you would stir in their hearts that today would be the day of their salvation. Lord, I pray for us here as sinners, all of us, those who put our faith in Christ, that we wouldn't be the same for being like Pilate and looking back and seeing the face of the Lamb. We love you. We praise you, Lord. We worship you. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.